Hello, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. Today, I have a really special guest. Her name is Jennifer McGurk, and I wanted to have her on because she is also a registered dietitian and a certified intuitive eating counselor, but she is really rocking it in her business. As you'll hear in the interview, she started her private practice in 2011, so that's nine, nine to ten years ago, and it's really taken off since she started the private practice. And the reason why I wanted to bring her on is because she's really a wealth of knowledge when it comes to um, being a dietitian and also being an intuitive eating counselor and not just that, being a business owner. And the goal of this podcast is to talk about intuitive eating, but it's also to talk about how intuitive eating spills into other areas of your life. And as you'll hear in the interview, just like Jennifer struggled with her own relationship with food and because she was able to overcome it through recovery and a team approach, she was able to apply that into the area of starting her own private practice and having that resilience. And I definitely benefited from that because I'm growing my own private practice and it feels really scary to put yourself out there. And on most days I feel like I'm not sure what I'm doing or should I try this or should I not try this or should I just go back to a regular nine to five, even though I know that I never, ever, ever want to do that. So um, for those of you who are maybe on the fence about starting a new project, starting a new job, starting a new business, what the advice that Jennifer gives you could be applied to any type of business. And it's really just to start. And I know that when I started my business a few years ago, I had literally no idea how to run a business. I was taught very traditional nutrition in school. I wasn't taught anything about intuitive eating. I wasn't taught anything about running a business. I wasn't taught anything about marketing. And I guess the cool thing about social media is that there's a wealth of knowledge out there. And that is how Jennifer and I connected through Instagram. So um, sit back, relax, enjoy the interview. And if you have any questions or any feedback, I'm always interested in hearing. You can email me at gilaglassberg at yahoo.com. You could visit my website, www.gilaglassberg.com. And you could sign up for a free 20-minute consultation if you want to work with me one-on-one. Look out on Instagram for flyers for my online course. And you could visit my website as well just to see other podcasts like this, YouTube videos and blog posts. And please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well as the YouTube channel. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have a great day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Okay. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me again on another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. 
And today I have Jennifer McGurk. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Sure, we're so excited to have you. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I've been a dietitian for, oh my gosh, 14, almost 14 years. Um, I love what I, I love what I do. I am so passionate about the field of nutrition, especially intuitive eating and a weight inclusive approach, um, eating disorder recovery, you know, so passionate about helping people have a healthy relationship with food. And for the past couple of years, I've actually expanded that into my work with professionals. So that's mainly what I do right now. Um, I do have a group practice, so I do manage and, you know, run the group practice part of my business, but my, you know, professional facing work is through pursuing private practice and specifically dietitian business school, where I help other dietitians build a successful business in this specialty as well. So I care so much about this mission. I've just seen so many people really expand their business and help other clients. And like, that's what really fuels me. It's so awesome. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because I'm also, I'm like, I've been a dietitian for five years Yeah. and I just recently started my business. So like, I definitely look up to you and your, your growing (laughs) business and it's just so exciting to have you here. Well, yeah, I'm so excited to see how your business has grown so much because we talked maybe a year ago and now I feel like, look at what's happened for you. It's like so cool, you know, to see people just really put themselves out there with their mission and therefore they help so many people. And I think the key is just not of course, everyone is afraid. I don't want to say like, it's not being fearful, but like, I think the key is just to put yourself out there, connect with as many people as you possibly can, like try to get your business in front of your ideal clients and it will grow authentically and organically. Mm -hmm. I think it's so cool to see. Thank you. And also it's like funny to hear someone else's perspective. Cause like we're our worst critic. So I'll be like, Oh, like even yesterday I was doing my, I was in, I'm in a mastermind. And with other like professionals. And I'm like, I don't know. I just have like this five to 10 year vision, but I'm like, so not there yet. And they're like, look at where you were, you know, like just keep exactly. looking where you were because, but it's just as business owners, it's like, it is really scary because everything is just our own decision. Yeah. And I'm a very, very futuristic person so much so that I think it helps me so much, but also like holds me back a little bit. Cause I'm like mm-hmm. already thinking like, what's the next step? What's the next mm-hmm. step? And I think I know for, for me, I haven't done yoga now in like a very, very, very long time, but I always remember what some yoga teachers have taught me. It's basically like be in the present moment, like be in Mm -hmm. the present and Mm -hmm. really kind of enjoy what you have. But of course, thinking about the future is exciting, but it can definitely hold us back sometimes. (laughs) It's actually interesting because it was just the Jewish holiday of Sukkot. And I decided to take Instagram off my phone just for like the span of like a week and a half. And I was talking to the head of the mastermind yesterday and I was just like, I feel like so free. Like I didn't have to like compare myself to anyone or look at my likes or my statistics and just like that, like, like zoning out really like the break really does help with the creativity. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I completely agree. I think social media, like boundaries with social media is so important. I think deleting Instagram from your phone every once in a while is totally fine. In fact, Mm -hmm. I encourage it, you know, Mm -hmm. to take a break from everything. And comparisonitis is real, you know, and I always like, don't compare your beginning or your middle of your journey to someone else's end, right? you know, and it's because I mean, everyone has comparisonitis in some way or another, but I think it definitely shows up in business. And it's something that we have to talk about a lot more. 
Yeah, definitely. So tell us how you or why you became a dietitian to begin with. Yes. Yeah. So I have a pretty common story that I'm so open about sharing. I had an eating disorder in high school and basically I decided to become a dietitian because I wanted to uh, find the healthiest way to eat in my eating <laughs> disorder. I am very, very, very thankful for that experience. I know that that sounds weird. I'm like thankful for my eating disorder, but like if I didn't have my eating disorder back then, I never would have gotten into the field of nutrition and never would have become a dietitian. So I, you know, have to say that everything happens for a reason. Um, I, I went to Penn state for my undergrad education and then Johns Hopkins for my internship and then moved to New York and had my very first job. So it's been definitely a journey. I did not get help from my eating disorder until I was 23, 24 years old. So I definitely struggled for a while without getting help. So I think that's another reason why I'm so passionate about like, if you're struggling, like help is out there. Like you mm -hmm. definitely have a better life ahead of you, like with treatment because treatment works. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that's how I became a dietitian. Got it. So you yeah. were working in like, what was your first job as a dietitian? Yeah. So my first job. So after Hopkins, I went to New York city. I have no idea how I got hired, but I got hired at, um, it was called the FDI diabetes Institute. So Friedman diabetes, Friedman Diabetes Institute. Oh my gosh, it's been so long. I can't even remember the name, but it was through um, Beth Israel Hospital in the Lower East Side. And it was a diabetes clinic. It was an outpatient job. It was awesome. I love the people that I worked with so much, um, but I did like very traditional dietetics, diabetes counseling. I ran a weight loss group. I'm not mm. proud of that at all, but basically like, you know, it was a very traditional diabetes job. And that's when I actually got help for my eating disorder. And at the same time, I kind of said like, oh, I'm not focusing on weight loss for myself. Like this is really improving my relationship with food, like intuitive eating. That's how I found intuitive eating. I read the book at that time. It's like intuitive eating, like really is so helpful here. I wonder if I could apply this to my clients and like help them through a weight inclusive approach. Although it did not happen overnight. Like there's this huge period of probably for me, it was maybe a year or two of back and forth. Like, is this the right way to go? Mm. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, should mm -hmm. I be a dietitian in the first place? Right. Um, so back then, you know, I tried as much as I could to like incorporate the principles of intuitive eating into the work that I was doing in diabetes. But eventually I did leave that job. I moved up to Rockland, got another job and slowly, but surely like really transitioned into a weight inclusive dietitian over the course of like two years. <laughs> got it. Yeah. And that is a, that is like a common story like that we struggle with our own relationship with food and then yeah. we're like oh let's become a dietitian so we could become even more disordered right I know, but then but then the intuitive eating is just so eye-opening like oh right this is exactly my life yes oh my gosh and I'm so thankful for Evelyn and Elise for writing that book I mean I've told them multiple times I feel like every single time I see them I'm like thank you so much for saving my life like you really did save my life like not professionally and not just professionally but personally too like I'm so thankful for their work and so thankful for the work of people that came before them that like their work was built on their work and mm -hmm. so 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 happy to have found health at every size and a weight inclusive approach 
So how did you even like find intuitive eating and health at every size? Yeah. Yeah. So I, so in my, like when I first got help from my eating disorder, I was reading the book. So at the same time, it was so interesting. Like my therapist, she had read the book at the time too. And, but it was back. I mean, when was this 2008? Like it really wasn't as mainstream as it is right now. So she had read the book and she was helping me through a lot of things, but really when it comes down to it, like I, I never had a dietitian. I probably really would have benefited from having a dietitian back then mm-hmm. my own dietitian, but I used the principles of intuitive eating throughout my eating disorder recovery. So like I challenged myself with so many different things and not only, you know, the food stuff, but also like the mental piece of it too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Intuitive eating is, it just, it helps in so many areas of your life. I always say that to my clients, like intuitive eating can really like spill over into other areas of your life. And it can help with so many things. There's so many, I mean, basically like I know it's intuitive eating. Like once I healed my relationship with food, I had so much time to focus on the things that really mattered to me. Like, I feel like my friendships got better. My family relationships got better. Um, you know, my, my husband, like my relationship got better. Just like, it was so eye opening to me how a healthy relationship with food was like the Kickstarter for me into having healthy relationship with life and like having time to go after the things that I wanted to do, having energy to do the things Mm -hmm. that I wanted to do. Like my whole entire day wasn't spent thinking about food anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? And I really do feel like that's when my kind of worlds collided because at the time, like as I was recovering, I was seeing that we're probably, and again, this was 2008. So like wasn't as mainstream as it is now, but I was seeing all of these jobs pop up for dietitians that were like bariatric surgery and weight mm-hmm. loss. And I was like, I don't want to do any of this. Like, yeah. I think I just want to have my own practice right? so I can practice in the way that I want. Yeah. I, I really want to talk about that, but I, I want to just yeah. ask you this question because it came, it came up in my head and I think it would be really interesting for the listeners. Yeah. So you said that the process from going, let's say strictly from traditional dietetics to let's say fully to intuitive eating was like a one to two year progression. Yeah. And probably like two to three, actually, now that I think about it, probably like two or three years. Yeah. So could you talk a little bit about like, cause I I definitely had that when I'm like intuitive eating is not real. Like it can't be like, but yes it is. But like, should I diet? Should I like, can I accept this weight? Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a lot of back and forth and I think it was, I don't want to say it's harder for dietitians than clients. Cause I think it's harder for everybody. Like it just matters what situation you're in, but I feel like there were so many reinforcements of diet culture, not only in my job, but in my boss, you know, ask me to run the weight loss group. Like, you know, back then social media wasn't social media. Like it's not the same as it was today, but back then, I don't know if you remember, like food blogs were really popular Mm -hmm. 2008 ish, like food Mm -hmm. blogs are popular. So a lot of people are talking about like nutrition and like weight and food blogs and all of the CEUs. Like I remember going to a conference that was strictly like weight management 101. Like basically there's so many negative, so many diet culture reinforcements trying to swim upstream in an intuitive eating type of way where it's like, oh, well, I should have that because that's what I want. Like I should listen to my body. I should not worry about weight it's so different than diet culture. And I feel like you come up to these roadblocks and you just have to like jump over the hurdle, but then 
there's another hurdle five minutes away, you Mm -hmm. know? So basically Mm -hmm. like you're constantly swimming. I like to say like you're swimming upstream Mm -hmm. because everyone else is kind of diet culture, diet culture, diet culture. But at the same time, I think when you have these hurdles, you have many victories in a sense. Like I remember, like, I don't want to, I don't want to say like specific eating disorder behaviors, but I remember like the first day that I didn't do any eating disorder behaviors, I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have these hurdles as you go along that give you the confidence that make you feel like, okay, I'm doing this the right way. You know? That each hurdle that you get over is like reinforcing, like, this is my truth. Yes. And you're going to have ups and downs. Oh my gosh. You were going to have ups and downs. Like you were going to have times where you will slip back and that's totally expected, but like you make it one step back, two steps forward. Mm -hmm. So when you were working in the field before you switched over to intuitive eating, did you feel that sense of like cognitive dissonance that we all? Oh my gosh. Yes. How Evelyn describes it when she talks about it on podcasts and stuff was exactly, exactly what I went through. It was like, but I don't know, like, what about this? Like, what about that? I questioned so much because this was the first time I heard, you know, what it was like to have a healthy relationship with food. Like in my 23, 24 years of existence, you know, especially being coming from like the dietetics world too. Mm-hmm, you know, it's yeah. Um, so you said that you, you didn't see yourself working in like bariatric surgery or weight loss. And so you decided to do your own practice. So when, yeah. when did you make that decision? Like how many years ago? Yes. So I knew it's so funny. I knew I wanted to open up my own practice probably like 2000 eight ish. Like I knew, like I wanted to do this, but I did not open up until 2011. How horrible is that? Mm-hmm. But it's so normal. You know, I did yeah. a lot of research mm-hmm. because I was trying to figure out like, what was the best, you know, I think, I think I worked on my, um, uh, sole proprietor versus LLC for like six months, like mm-hmm. researching, like what exactly is the best mm-hmm. decision. And I'm just like, I should have had a coach just tell right. me what to do. Right. Um, right. but yeah, so, so I researched my private practice. I did have a situation like, so basically I moved out of the city. So at that time I pretty much knew I was going to probably marry my boyfriend who is now my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that we were not going to live in the city. So I knew that we were probably going to live somewhere like Westchester or Rockland area. So I, I, back then, you know, virtual private practice wasn't as huge as it is now. So I basically just said, well, I'm not going to start my private practice until I'm actually settled into my like home. I don't know where we're moving. So that was a little bit of a, uh, you know, bump in the road mm-hmm. to get started, but it really did take me three years to get started. So I heard, I heard you say that on another podcast and I think yeah. that's like so normal, but do you think that the three years was like partly because you were just so afraid to start? Oh yes. Oh my gosh. I, I was so afraid to start. I was so afraid to put myself out there. Like I didn't know anything about business or marketing, which is so shocking to me now. because like what I love to talk about and love to do, but I just, I didn't know. So I had to really kind of get used to the fact that I was going to be doing challenging things as a business owner and like putting myself out there. And there's of course the risk of quote unquote failure. Mm-hmm. But I think what I, and I took this from my eating disorder recovery, like, cause I was kind of going through this at the same time. And I said, listen, like I've failed at eating disorder recovery a whole bunch, but I got back up and I did it again. So mm-hmm. why not be resilient in this aspect of my life too? Mm-hmm. I totally relate to that because yeah. when I was like, when I was, well, I, when I was starting my practice, it was because I just like hit rock bottom in my career where I was like, I don't want to work in a nursing home forever. And like what other yeah. jobs are out there? 
and then yeah. like we work so hard in like the science field and then we make so little money like the only other option is really private practice but I didn't want to this is before I knew about intuitive eating and I didn't want to be the diet police so I was like okay what do I do now then when I learned about intuitive eating I'm like I could actually do this you know yeah. Yeah, no, I know it is. It's so, it's so awesome to like have your world open up to so many possibilities, like being intuitive eating aligned because uh, it just feels so good. Like you are not putting people on diets. Yeah. It feels so good. <laughs> but, them. Yeah. So, so how did you, okay. So tell us, or like explain in depth, like how did you have the confidence or the like, like, did you, how did you just figure out how to run business? And now look where your business is, but like, let's, let's talk about in 2011 when you were just starting. Oh my gosh. I would say I just started. I had, I had no idea what I was doing, but I just started. And I think that that is probably like the best advice that I have for anybody, because when it comes down to it, like that's the hardest decision. It's the hardest decision is to start. And then you kind of just figure things out as you go along. And I made so many mistakes at the beginning. Like that's why I created Pursuing Private Practice because I felt like I had, remember like the 300 page book? Mm-hmm. I had yeah. that. I had like a couple of people that were helping me because I kind of knew them from different connections through like Penn State and things like that. But I really did not have any group to help me with the business stuff. So I kind of just figured it out like one Google search at a time, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but slowly, but surely, you know, I built my practice up from one day a week, which literally like, it took me three months. I rented office. I remember this. I rented office space and I didn't even get my first client for three months, you know, like that's also normal too, I Mm -hmm. think. But basically like I took it one client at a time. So I started at one day and then slowly, but surely I had two days then I had three. And then right before I had my first son, well, I got married to my, you know, boyfriend, my current mm-hmm. husband. Um, and then right before we had our first child, I was finally at like full time. Wow. So I hired somebody for maternity leave. And that mm-hmm. was kind of my first experience too, like hiring someone for my business. Cause I mm-hmm. wanted to go out on maternity leave for like at least two months and like kind of get used to being a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it took a while. It took three years to like really build it up. Cause I had my son in 2014. So from 2011 to when I started to 2014, when I was full-time, like it takes a while to build Mm -hmm. up. Were you still working part-time when you were, when you were building the business or no? Yeah. So I had a part-time job from 2011 to 2012 or no, 2013. Cause I switched, I switched to one, I switched from another diabetes. I know it's kind of a long story, but I switched from a diabetes um, my full-time diabetes job to like a part-time diabetes job at another hospital. And then I also had a job at Manhattanville college. I was counseling the students there, which was awesome experience to start eating disorder work because I felt like all my clients there had eating disorders. And I had the whole entire counseling center, like literally in the next hallway from me. So I used those people so much, like just to learn. It was so such great experience. Um, and then I got, there was a little bump in the road. I got a hospital job, but the account closed. So mm-hmm. it was like literally four months and that was it. Got it. <laughs> but, got it. Yeah. Okay. So, so from 2011 to 2014, you basically built your private practice, yeah. but now it's not, that model is not what you're using now, right? Like it's, you're not just doing yeah, well, own. So basically what happened was 2015 and long story short, like pursuing private practice started out as just a simple book series. 
And then it became a DIY course. Then it became a little bit of a group program. And now it's like a group membership. Mm-hmm. So, and that's dietitian business school. But basically what happened was I came back from maternity leave and I didn't have as full of a practice as I had when I left it. So I decided, I was like, I've always wanted to do something for professionals like maybe this is the time. Like I had this new energy too, as a mom, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to show my son that you can do anything you want mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. So I had a little bit of that attitude and a little bit of a blank schedule because I had my babysitting, like my daycare set up. Mm-hmm. So I decided to start just writing a simple guide for professionals on how to build a practice. And literally it was just one step at a time. Like that turned into something bigger, that something turned into something bigger, that something turned into something bigger. And now it's like its own full-blown company, which is amazing. Yeah. But that, that process took for another four years, you know, like just like the business took three years to get me full. That process has taken four years in order to get it to the level that it's at now. So how, but how did you like do that? Like, how did you, like, are you very tech savvy? Like, did you just like invest yeah. a lot up front? Like, how did you, no, how did no, you no, figure no. that I, out? It was literally like with pursuing private practice, it was literally one step at a time. So basically like it started off as books, then mm-hmm. it went to a course. So I did have to hire some people to help me along the way. Like I did have an editor. Um, I, I hired, it's so funny, like looking back, I'm like, I don't even know how I did this, but yeah. I hired another dietitian to help me with the practice stuff and her name is Valerie. She was counseling some clients and she also helped me with some of like the organization stuff with the course. So she was a little bit of like a hybrid virtual assistant, even mm-hmm. though she was a dietitian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once, once I saw that I had something, that's when I invested in a business like course just mm-hmm. to help me. I did um, Dana Malstaff's course, like just to help me like kind of organize everything. And then once I did that and I saw, thought, saw like, Hey, I still have questions. I need help. Then I did a mastermind. And now I invest in business education stuff all the time, but I'm at the mm. level now that it's just normal for me to do that. Right. So but it didn't start off that way. Yeah. No, I'm just asking. Cause like, I think that like, for me, at least like I'm, I'm a bunch of years be- behind you. And I'm thinking, how did she do that? Like, or, or like, how did you, are you just very decisive? How do you decide? Yeah, you know? no, I it's, it's so I've had, oh my gosh. Well, first of all, it, it sound when I talk about it, I'm leaving out Right. all of the failures. Right, <laughs> like, right, right, right. So I well, just want everyone to know we that. Wanna, we want to hear the failures. We want to hear the I good stuff. Well, the failures, like, so the books, the books are no longer for sale. The books, the book was, I don't want to say the book was a failure because the book is what really started me off, but mm-hmm. updating a book and like keeping on, tr- keeping a book up to date and the editing format of everything was just like not my strong suit whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So that definitely did not stick. Like I'm so, I'm proud of those books, but literally like I would like to burn them to be very, honest with you because but the books like, were the template for what yeah what the books were the right. template for the course yeah and the course too I mean like I've messed up with technology I have messed up in my email marketing systems I have messed up like you know if customer service delivery like people hadn't haven't gotten certain things that they've gotten like this was all the way back in 2017 you know, I definitely didn't have a clear marketing plan for the course, like all the way back in 2017, when I started that, because I was kind of marketing it to like all dietitians. It was like all dietitians, private practice. Mm-hmm. And I did have a couple of people that were in weight loss that signed up mm-hmm. and then it just kind of felt like a little icky. So mm-hmm. that's when I decided in 2018 ish to just market to dietitians that were interested in intuitive eating. Because the thing is like, I hear this too from 
other people. And I've experienced this like in business masterminds and stuff. And I've never done like a specific dietitian business mastermind, but I've heard this from other people. Like you go into a space and there's the keto dietitian and the Mm -hmm. detox weight loss dietitian. And like the business coach is helping them with their mission. Mm -hmm. And you're over here. Like, but that's what I'm trying to stop. (laughs) You know, like I'm trying to help Mm -hmm. people heal their relationship with food. So that's also when I decided, you know, it really is so best for this, for pursuing private practice to be like weight inclusive, to be mm-hmm. intuitive eating aligned. So there's no question about what I stand for. And that I think just makes it a really inclusive space. I, I agree with that. And I think that like, I've been in masterminds that are not just for dietitians and things come up that the person's like, you know, promoting something on their Instagram or whatever, just whatever is having to yeah. do with having to do be a certain body type or eat in a certain way and it doesn't align with my values so especially if you're in a dietitian group that could feel like out of alignment definitely um okay so we talked about this a little bit before we started recording but um what is your vision for the business maybe not 20 years down the line but like you know five five years i don't know if i have a 20 year vision (laughs) <laughs> I, no, it's, it's a really good question. I mean, I would say like, I had no idea that pursuing private practice was going to be so big five years ago. Like, I don't know what it's going to be in five years, but I do feel like dietitian business school is really the product of me trying many different things and kind of saying like, this is what feels right. Like an actual membership model where people come, they get lessons, group calls, they get community support, accountability, like they stay for as long as they want. And then when they're ready to leave, like they're ready to leave. Like it's no lifetime something. It's no like forcing people to stay a whole bunch of time. It's, you know, it feels really, really good. It feels like that's exactly what it was meant to be. So So we'll see. I'd love to grow it to at least a hundred people, if not like 200, 300, like that would be so awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know exactly when that's going to happen. So we will see. Got it. So, so um, what was I just going to say? Sorry, my mind just went blank. So you, right now you're doing the membership and uh, you have a bunch of dietitians and you're basically, okay. So what I was going to say is that it was a lot of what you did was like trial and error, right? Like yeah. you try, you had a, a vision, like let's say even the book, like that's a really good idea, write a book, but it didn't, wasn't exactly going where you wanted. So then that became a course, then that became yeah. what it is now. So is that sort of like, like you said, just start, like, is that sort of like your advice for people? Like just start and get out yes. there. Just start. I would say just start. And at the same time, like, please use your audience and get feedback And Mm -hmm. even if you have an audience of 50 people, like that is an audience. And I would, I would argue that everybody has an audience of 50 people because everyone knows at least like 10 healthcare professionals, like 20 relatives, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 friends, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like everyone has an audience of 50 people. So just get started and see what feels good for you. What feels good for them? Like what questions do they have? You know, I always say too, like what, like when you are going out, what questions do people ask you? They know you're a dietitian. Like what questions Mm -hmm. do people ask you? Like those are the problems that people have. Mm-hmm. you know, That's and true. they want answers, like they need right. help. So right. just because you don't have an audience of 500 people does not mean that you can't have a successful business. Right. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah. People always ask me, I mean, sometimes I'm, I like, just don't want to talk about it, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I <know. laughs> like, I just don't want to tell them what I do. Cause I just don't want to hear about whatever, but 
not because I don't like love everyone. I just like my brain like hurts sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. I just don't, I need to not be thinking about food yeah, and how to not think, you know, like, but, um, but yeah, that's, I, I think what you're doing is really awesome. Um, so do you think that, do you think that intuitive eating is becoming more mainstream? Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, I, I feel like it's, it's still, we're still swimming upstream. Mm-hmm. I do want to say that. And I do think that for people that are in marginalized bodies, I feel like it still is harder for them to be accepted, whether or not you're living in a big body or any type of body that is just not accepted in the, in society, like today it's harder, but I do think that we are definitely making headway. Like diet culture is slowly, but surely dying. Mm -hmm. People don't want to diet anymore. People Mm -hmm. are realizing the harm of Mm -hmm. dieting. And even though it still is swimming upstream, like I do feel intuitive eating is the the way Mm -hmm. for so many people. Do you find that a lot of clients, like they, they like intuitive eating and they're using it in their lives, but like the last step is like accepting themselves in a larger body or accepting themselves in a weight that they never had, never thought they would have to. Yeah. I do think like, what I always say is that when you start intuitive eating, you either gain weight, lose weight, stay the same. There's Mm -hmm. really no way for us to quote unquote, predict what's going to happen with your body. It really is a trust relationship that you build, like you build that connection again with your body. Um, and at the same time, like I'm here for it. Like I'm here for mm-hmm. body image work. I'm totally here for you to like vent, to complain, to mm-hmm. celebrate, you know, all the emotions. But I do think that when you recover in a body where it's not conventionally accepted, I do yeah. think it's a lot harder for people, at least the, the clients that I've had in my practice, like it's yeah. a lot harder for them yeah. to be accepting of it. But at the same time, I think recognizing like that's almost their cognitive dissonance, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's recognizing that, Hey, if I want a quote unquote, smaller body, I'm going to have to do these things that completely mess up my life. Right. Like, I think I'd rather have this body and have a healthy relationship with food and work through the body image stuff. Yeah. And that's what I see a lot. I was going to say like, what's one tip that you could like leave the listeners with, but I think you just said it, which is like, which is something I always find myself saying, which is like, um, delegating your emotional energy to things that really are important to you. So if Mm -hmm. you could accept that you're in a larger body, but now you're happy, now you have time for yourself and your family and your kids and whoever else is in your life, like not, not everybody likes that. Cause they're like, I, if I could choose between the two, I would want both you know like they don't they they aren't ready to make that um jump but I guess maybe it's like a a time thing like just giving themselves time yeah oh my gosh absolutely absolutely and I would say like don't be afraid um Brie Campo says this a lot like to sit in the suck like it sucks yeah sometimes like but don't be afraid of that because I think when we try to cover that up Mm -hmm. that's when we use behaviors because like we're trying to like cover something up that really we can't really cover up like it's right. just we have to get to just sit with that negative emotion right yeah that's definitely that's like when, the hard part that's know? the hard that's part the yeah and when we talk about like how intuitive eating spills into other areas of your life it's just like noticing mm-hmm. that for so many of us we we don't allow ourselves to feel angry or sad or hurt or resentful and those are important emotions to feel exactly. and food really does cover those emotions exactly Exactly. So just like learning to sit with it. So, um, could you talk to us a little bit about your, this is like your opinion or maybe what you yeah. use in your practice, but how does somebody like, how 
do you think is the best way to like incorporate nutrition into intuitive eating? Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I love this question. Like I love nutrition. I think, I mean, maybe it's because I'm a dietitian. Right. I just love to cook. I love the the, all the different components that food brings to our life, like not just the nutrients, but I just Mm -hmm. love like the flavors and the textures and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I love to incorporate gentle nutrition, like right off the bat with somebody, but only, only if it's appropriate and only if they want to, I feel Mm -hmm. like so many times, and this is just sad of diet culture, but I feel like so many times diet culture robs people of being able to learn about gentle nutrition Mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't feel Mm diety. So I totally get why gentle nutrition is the last principle, because I feel like when you go through the healing relationship of hunger, fullness, satisfaction, you know, all of those principles that really do help you heal your relationship with food, like once you've healed your relationship with food, then you're ready for a little bit more of a gentle nutrition approach. Mm -hmm. So I do think it just depends on the client, like when you introduce it, but I love to talk about like balancing a plate, you know, more so usually it's like adding, like like adding food, like adding fuel to your day, making sure that you're eating enough, making sure that you're having like variety and there's all different types of textures and flavors on your plate. And you know, I don't know about you, but I love seasonal like mm-hmm. things. Like I love, like right now it's fall. So I love soup and mm-hmm. grilled cheese and all of these yeah. like wonderful, amazing dishes that are perfect for the fall. Right. You know, so I love to incorporate something like that. Like, what are your cravings? Like, what are you in the mood for? What are you satisfied? Like what's satisfying to you? You know, all those things for gentle nutrition. So do you ever talk about like meal planning or menu planning as a yeah. form? Yeah. Like, like there's different schools of thought, but I've heard Evelyn and Elise say that, you know, you can definitely have some element of meal planning and intuitive eating. Like, I think it just depends on you. If you are a person where you love to be scheduled and organized, like, yes, you might like meal planning a little bit more, but if you're also too, like just flexible, you know, I personally, I personally have like kind of, I think the best of both worlds. Like I typically will do a grocery shop like once a week or I'm really into Instacart ever since the pandemic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I found Instacart and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever go back, um, but, and that's a privilege to be able to have that. But yeah. basically like I'll grocery shop once a week and I'll get dinner ingredients for maybe four meals. You know, one meal we might take out, one meal might be leftovers. Another meal might be like breakfast for dinner or something mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. I'll kind of meal plan that way, but I won't plan exactly what I'm going to eat on every single day because you just don't right. know what you're going to feel like. But. Right. Yes. I love that because I, I always tell people that this is a flexible and yeah. suggestive meal plan. Not yeah. like if you're in the mood for grilled cheese and your meal plan says grilled chicken, like just make the switch. It's not a big deal. Yeah, exactly. um, so how do you, so do you ever notice like sneaky diet culture or wellness culture when maybe with your clients, when it comes to the nutrition part, like, do you see that coming up? Oh my gosh. Yeah. All the time, all the time. I mean, I feel like it's, Diet culture, like, I I forget who said this, and I feel like a lot of people have said this, but basically we help clients recover to a world that has its own eating disorder. Right. Like, it's not like we're helping people recover to, you know, a perfectly recovered bubble. Mm -hmm. It really is like you recover and you're doing so great. And then you go out to dinner and like your cousin says like, oh, what about this diet? Mm -hmm. And then like you're at the supermarket and you see all those magazines of like, this person lost X amount of weight. It's like so annoying. And Mm -hmm. you recover usually to family systems too, that are like very focused on weight and appearance and things like that. So 
all to say, like people that recover really do have a very big job ahead of them Mm -hmm. in swimming upstream against diet culture when it comes down to it, you Mm -hmm. know? So kind of figuring out, and that's where I can can go into like boundaries and self-care with clients and really go into like, okay, like you have to take care of yourself. Like, what does that look like in the real world? Mm -hmm. Like um, troubleshooting in session a little bit, like what's going to happen outside of session. Exactly. Right. I remember I was on Rena Reiser's podcast. She's also an intuitive eating counselor. And we were talking about like, there's a lot of Jewish holidays (laughs) and, and especially Especially now, (laughs) especially now. So like you go from like Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, it's just like, it's like lots of family time and lots of whatever. And for introverts, that's really overwhelming. And introverts are people who, who are recovering from diet culture and then they're around diet culture. And we were saying like, just like you would excuse yourself to go to the bathroom. Like you could excuse yourself if you're triggered and like have five minutes to yourself. But like, we don't, a lot of us don't think that way. A lot of us think like that's so rude or like I have to explain myself and you you just don't, you just don't. You don't, you don't, you, whatever, whatever you have to do to take care of you, like whatever your self-care boundaries are, like those do not need an explanation. Like that's you existing in the world as the best version of you. And that is what you deserve, you know, like stick up for your boundaries because no one else is going to stick up for them. Right. You know, like you're yeah. the only one. So definitely. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Um, okay. So thanks so much for joining us today. And oh if gosh, there's anything, I, I, if there's anything you want to leave the listeners with. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I would think like, I would think a lot of people listening might be well, actually maybe dietitians too, but like, like a lot of people might be struggling and I would just say recovery is worth it, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. if you're a dietitian, like coming over to this side is also worth it. Maybe they're, yeah. maybe those dietitians are listening to, like, it's so awesome to help people with their relationship with food. Like the transformation is so powerful. So it's life-changing. It. It's, yeah. it's so meaningful when, when like, I mean, I see your post and also just like my clients reach out to me and say like, whatever I like, I was able to focus on circus this year and not the food. Like it means everything, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. And that's, that's why we do what we do. Yeah. That's why we do what we do. So, um, I'm going to have all your information in the show notes and, um, where could people find you? Yeah. So a couple places, um, my group practice is eatwithknowledge.com. Although I will say, cause I've, I've been on podcasts before and people are like, how can I work with you? I no longer take new clients. So my okay. associates are taking clients. Um, but really I, my main focus in the internet world, at least is for professionals. So pursuingprivatepractice.com is where you can find me there. I have a podcast pursuing private practice and dietitian business school is dietitianbusinessschool.com, but you can get to it from pursuingprivatepractice.com. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) It was so much fun. I know it was. Okay. Bye. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.